Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today for consideration is from Matthew the seventh chapter. Christ said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. This is our text, dear friends in our Lord. Today we break ground for the church's new parsonage to be constructed on the corner of our lot right over here. One day soon the framing and the beams will be set in place, some designed to be load and weight bearing, others designed to assist in the task of helping shape the building in one way or another. And this framing and these beams will then be covered by sheetrock to form walls, and the walls will come together to form rooms and hallways. And these rooms and hallways will be topped off by a roof. And a house will be established. A house to serve as a home for pastors' families, this one included. Pastors' families of the Lutheran Church of our Savior, God willing, for many years to come. Before any roof tile would be placed and before any sheet rock or stucco or plaster would be applied, before walls or rooms would be formed and beams would even begin to bear weight, before the construction of any of these things comes what is perhaps the most important, most significant of all indeed, the thing on which all of these other things depend, that's the foundation. Foundation first has to be laid. For any building, any building, the foundation, of course, is key. The rain and the wind, they'll blow and they'll do their thing to the roof tiles. Time will do its thing to this beam or that beam, and they need, may need replacing in time. A sturdy foundation, though. Above all, that's key to a home's lasting endurance. Any home, any house is only as good as its foundation. Upon a strong and a firm foundation, it's where to build your house. A contra any contractor, any home builder would tell you the same. Well, in today's text, Christ Jesus, the architect of faith and life, reminds us about foundations, about life's foundations. And there are really only two kinds, the kind that will last under the earth moving and, and the flood eroding and the wind and rain pounding events of life, and the kind that won't. Lives, like houses, are all constructed on some kind of foundation. They're built not on concrete, but on words, someone's words, teachings, worldviews, philosophies. But Christ, by his little illustration in the text here, he, even, he reminds us that not all foundations, teachings, philosophies, worldviews, not all are the same when it comes to standing and falling, when it comes to enduring or crumbling. And a house is only as good as its foundation. Remember what Christ said? He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a, a wise man who has built his house on the rock. These words of mine. With those words of his, he shows us plainly where and upon what our homes and our lives need to be built if they're going to stand up. And endure, stand up to and endure the rains that will fall and the floods that will come and the winds that will 
beat against us. Built upon his word, his word. As a word with an everlasting character. Heaven and earth may pass away. But my words will never, says the Lord. It's a word that can't be chipped away or or shattered, though the detractors with their picks and hammers will strike and will hammer it, pound it. It's a word that can't be shaken, though our world, uh, the world around us may be. It's a word that can't be broken, though relationships and promises may be. And so upon his word of enduring promise and providence, that's where we build, enduring providence, You heard him last week say, your heavenly father knows you need these things of the world. Don't worry, he'll provide them for you. It's upon his promise of immovable presence we build. Lo, I'm with you always and will never forsake you. It's upon his granite guarantee of otherworldly peace that we build. That's the rock solid foundation upon which to build. We consider the Old Testament reading for the day and we'd have to conclude that our Lord himself thought that upon his words that's certainly a good place to build one's house. But they're foundational words upon which to build to our homes, our Christian homes as fathers and mothers, children, families. God thinks so. Remember what he said in that reading, the Old Testament reading? He said, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart. In your soul. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall teach them to your children. Talking of them when you're sitting in your house. When you're walking by the way. When you lie down. When you rise up. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house. And on your gates. Driving our children to school. Sitting around the table, barbecuing on a Sunday afternoon, perhaps. He says, teach your children. Teach your children, he says, and with constant and contemplative or contemplative consideration, remind yourselves also. See, there's no particular stormy season in life like there might be here in California. Not in life. But from the womb to the tomb, we all need to be reminded And to remind one another of God's rock-solid promises. Whether home security or personal security, the house wisely built on the rock-solid promises of God will outstand, it's his promise, will outstand those that aren't. But how often we're sand builders. How often, when you think about it, we're sand builders more interested perhaps in the furnishings than the foundation. We hear his words, but we don't do them. As he said, we don't do them. That's to say that we hear his promises, but we don't live in them. We don't rest securely upon them. Maybe it's because we frantically seek first after those things that moth and rust destroy. Those things that thieves can break in and steal away from us. Instead, maybe we're sand building. We're constructing life's house, life's future on things like our vigor and youth, our vitality, things that a steady rain of subtle disappointments in life will erode away. Think about your health and its erosion, your hearing, your sight, your mobility. 
They simply wear down under the corrosive nature of our sin-ridden world. We're sand building, you see, when we build life's house on things that the sudden financial floods of life will wash out and wipe away. We're, we're sand building. When we count on lasting stability in things, even things like our family, things that the unstoppable winds of change will change. If life's foundation is built not upon the immovable rock of Christ's promises, but rather in foolishly so, and those are his words, Christ's words, and foolishly so upon the shifting and movable sand, then Christ has served public notice. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. If important in things worldly, how vital is a trusty and solid foundation in things eternal? When we consider our standing before God, the fact is, and you know it to be true, that the worldly storms in life are, are not the only ones that rage. Material winds and rains are not the only ones to be weathered. The soul, above all, the soul needs to know the foundation firm. Because the devil and the world and our sinful nature, they will beat upon us, and you know it. They'll beat upon us, and they'll accuse you of, their, of, of your wrongs. And the charges will be right and true. You know what you've done. You know what you've left undone. And they'll relentlessly remind you of those things, those sins. The ones that linger in your memory, the ones that are, are buried in the privacy of your heart, the ones that even though forgiven and you know it long ago, the ones that still plague you and bother you and surface to trouble your soul. They'll be relentless. Of course, the devil, world, and flesh, they'll do it not all in the same way. In various ways, though, sometimes with a flood of accusation that you'll feel, a surge that seems to come all at once with, and with such force. Other times, though, the devil will operate differently, maybe perhaps by a steady and persistent rain, rain of doubt tapping on the roof of life. You might like to ignore it, but you just can't. It won't let you. Rain, flood, or gale, the devil world, our flesh, they will beat upon us steadily, hoping for a great fall. Question is, when they do, where do you turn? When they do, where do you turn upon? What do you stand? What's your foundation? Do you look to your own behavior? Your own piety? To settle your conscience, to convince you that you're on good, solid ground, good standing before God. If so, then watch out for falling houses. Because while one day might seem, might appear to you to be granite-like when it comes to living the faith, the next day it's sure to crumble into granules. Even St. Paul, even his life was one like yours and mine, a life of shifting sand. Remember what he said, the good that I will to do, the good that I know that I should do, that I don't do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I know that I shouldn't do, it's that that I end up doing. Shifting sand. 
Is that your foundation? Nor do you try to bricklay deeds and good things to, to better and build up a sinner's standing before God. If so, then God's own word sends that house crumbling too. Saying a verse before our epistle reading began, saying, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified. Friends, when the devil accuses, and when the wind of guilt and the rains and floods of accusation beat with moving force, upon what ground do you stand? It's no secret that Martin Luther was forced to consider that often in his life as accusations would flood to him, deluge of them. Legend has it that once he felt the deluge of accusation in a dream. He dreamt that the devil appeared at his bedside and woke him up and began to unroll a lengthy scroll. And upon it were written in heavy black ink all the wrongs, all of them, all the sins that Luther had ever done, a litany, a long litany of them. And the devil began to list each one, and he listed them one by one, each and every one of them, one after the next with obvious pleasure in each legitimate charge and accusation. But when he reached the end of the scroll, so it goes, Luther asked the accuser, is that all? Well, relishing the moment, the devil smiled and he said, oh no, that's not all, that's only the beginning. And he proceeded to furnish one lengthy scroll after the next, each with a heavy, dark, each heavy, with, with dark black, the dark black ink of indictment against him, all of them true. At last, the devil Furnish the final scroll, and Luther asked then, Is this then all? Knowing the crushing magnitude of them, so the legend goes, the devil smiled. He smiled a sinister smile and said with satisfaction, This is them all, and they are many. At this, so it said, Luther replied to his accuser, He said, No, it's not all. You forgot one thing. You forgot to write that the blood of Jesus Christ covers them all. This is your firm foundation. Christ's life, not yours. That's your firm foundation for your soul. Christ's perfection in his life, not yours. Christ's death on the cross under the weight of all of your sins, his blood at the cost of all of your sins, but not yours. Build on these words, friends. Build on these words of His that speak to you of His work for you. His words that say, All have sinned, you heard it today, and fall short of the glory of God, but are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that's in Jesus Christ and His propitiatory blood. These words that say, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. These words when it says, for it pleased the Father to reconcile all things to Himself by His Son, having made peace through the blood of His cross. John writes, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Paul writes, while you were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and we've now been justified by His blood, God made Him who knew no sin to be your sin 
and my sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. These words, friends, his words, they're your foundation, life's foundation, rock solid and firm. And when the wind of doubt and guilt howls and the rain persists, there's no firmer place, says your Lord, no firmer place for you to stand upon which to stand than to rest upon these words, these promises of mine. And add nothing to them. It is finished, he said. Nothing needs be added to them. All else is a co-mixture. And simply isn't up to par. Isn't up to grade. Recently asked a, a contractor I happen to know rather well. I asked him what one would do who thought he needed to, to supplement the cement mixture that was to be laid down to be, to be poured out as the foundation of a place if, if he'd imagined that more was needed. And his answer was telling. He said sometimes some might, in the business, they might add gravel to it to make it go a bit further. But it doesn't make it any stronger because in the end all you're doing is adding sand. Adding sand. Life's foundation needs to be stronger than sand. We'll sing it at the close of our service today. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.